Our scripture reading this morning comes out of Exodus chapter 3. Uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 15. Uh, one of the most iconic call stories in all of scripture. And we're continuing in our uh, sermon series about uh, early lessons of faith from Moses. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you, that when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's something inspiring to hear that the name of God is that he is our God. The God of all creation, the God of all those that have gone before us to this very moment right here. So yesterday, I got to celebrate my 12th wedding anniversary with Julia. 12 years. And in a lot of ways, uh, our wedding anniversary is, is almost this uh, kind of marker of my time in ministry as well. Um, before Julie and I got married, she was actually the one that um, kind of helped talk me uh, through uh, some of the feelings that I was having about feeling being called into ministry. And so we got married um, right in the midst of me taking my first steps into going back to school and pursuing this call into ministry. 
Uh, so 12 years of marriage um, really is this journey of about 13 years of me wrestling with this call uh, into ordained ministry. And marriage and ordained ministry, after a dozen years, I can say that on both accounts, uh, I had no idea what I was getting into. And life's like that sometimes. Is uh, you know, if if we had waited till the perfect moment where we were absolutely ready, we had enough money, we were uh, well established in our careers uh, to take that step together uh, in our marriage, uh, that moment never would have come. In fact, the first several years of our marriage, because I was going through these steps of ministry and I was having to go back to school and I was having to try to get into seminary, we had to move to Virginia, I was trying to get into the army at the same time, I kept telling her that I I know these first couple years are going to be hard, but if we can just get through uh, these first four or five years, then everything's going to be easy from there on out. Has that ever worked? It's always hard. We've never had enough money. We've never, we've never been at a point that we felt like we were ready uh, for the exact point in life that we were at the time. We certainly weren't ready or had enough money to start having kids when we did. But somehow, things have worked out to where we can look back 12 years in the past and see everything that God has been doing and walking with us along this journey. Now, part of that makes us terrified for what the next 12 years brings. But that's the way God calls people. God calls people when we're never ready. So I want to walk through. There's a a call narrative model in Scripture. And you can look at this model as it applies to Moses. You can look at this model as it applies to several of the prophets in the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament. Uh, you can look at this model as it applies to Mary uh, when uh, she finds out from the angel that uh, she's pregnant with Jesus. Um, there's certain steps that God walks through when God is calling people into a new step of faith. The very first thing that happens is God appears, whether uh, it's an angel, whether it's the spirit of God, whether it's a burning bush. God makes an appearance. And most often the, that is uh, sort of joined together with the words. Now, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Which almost seems to kind of go more to the point that we're never ready when God shows up. It said Moses was terrified to look at the face of God. The amount of, of anxiety, the amount of tension that comes together when we are face to face with our Creator, we're never prepared for that moment. And yet God always seems to be. So the first step in a call narrative is the appearance of God. The second step is an explanation of why God is appearing. An explanation of the circumstances of what's going on at this time. In the Moses narrative, this comes so clearly, and God has heard the cry of God's people. I have heard their oppression by the Egyptians, and I have come to deliver my people. An explanation of what is going on that God needs to move into. And that leads right into the next step of why God needs us. So God explains to Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. And now comes the third step, the commission. And now I am sending you to do something about it. I am sending you to go to Pharaoh 
and to allow my people to lead. To be the leader of the deliverance of my people. It's known as the commission. And then the fourth step in a call narrative. The one I think every single one of us is most familiar with and we don't even know it yet. is called the protest. Is us going, God, you have the wrong person. I am not who you want. I am not who you need. I am not ready. I am not equipped. I am not in a position to do anything about this. You obviously have showed up at the wrong time to the wrong person in the wrong place. And what does God ever say to that? I have exactly who I need. And exactly the moment I need you. And exactly the point that I need you. And so the fifth step of the call narrative is divine assurance. He said to Moses, I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you. I will be with you. What was one of the very last things Jesus said to the disciples before he ascended back up to heaven? I will be with you even until the end of the age. The very same divine assurance that, that God gave Moses at the burning bush is the very same assurance that he gave Mary when she was learning that she was pregnant with Jesus. And the same divine assurance and the promise that Jesus drilled in his disciples that we have today. That God is with us in whatever God has called us to do. That there is never a point in this life when we are alone. And the very last part of a call narrative, the very last step, the sixth step, is the sign. And this will be a sign for you, that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. And what does that mountain become in the chapters that follow? It becomes the mountain in which Moses leads his people to the wilderness to come and to receive the Ten Commandments. When I first started exploring this call to ministry, I really struggled because I was the first one to protest like Moses saying, God, you have got the wrong person. Even when I brought it up to my parents, uh, there was some awkward silence <laughs> that followed. it. Even today, my mom always tells me that she, she never can actually come to calling me reverent. There's always that doubt that God calls some very interesting people to do some very important work. And we're never ready, we're never equipped, and we never feel like we're at the right moment. But that's exactly how God wants us to be. Because there's nothing about any of this that is supposed to make Moses successful. God didn't come to Moses when he was already in the throne room of Pharaoh. He didn't come when he was part of the royal family. He didn't come when he was powerful. He didn't come when he was wealthy. He came when he was exiled. When Moses had other things going on, he's running around in Midian chasing sheep. And in that moment, God says, I want you to go back. I want you to go back to the land where you already have a death sentence. I want you to go back to the land that you were never supposed to survive as an infant and walk up to the most powerful man in that land and tell him to let your people go. Of course Moses was not the perfect person to call. But God was the perfect God to be with him and what he was calling him 
to do. There has never been a point that I felt like I was the best preacher or the best pastor or the best husband or the best father. But I have known beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has been with me every step of the way and has been perfect through every single one of my weaknesses. If we are waiting for the perfect time, the perfect opportunity or the perfect moment to take that step out on faith that we've been waiting for, it is never going to come. If we are waiting for excellence, if we are waiting uh, to not take a step until it's perfect, that's customer service. That's not faithfulness. What I love so much about Scripture is faithfulness is messy and it is unprepared and it is in the moments that we least expect and it comes through our weaknesses and our unpreparedness. Nobody could have predicted at the beginning of, uh, of our time, whenever we became members of this church, that we would be facing a year beginning with a global pandemic. We couldn't have wrapped our heads around what it meant uh, for our church doors to have been closed for this amount of time. Even at the beginning of this, on March 14th, we thought this was maybe, what, two weeks? We would be going back to school in the spring semester. Let alone, some of us are feeling like we're headed back into the fall before we're ready for this semester. But God is walking through the moments that we are least prepared for, least equipped for, and least ready for. And God is not looking for us to be successful. God is looking for us to be faithful. And in us being faithful and taking those steps that are difficult and that are unprepared and are not quite ready or formed or shaped yet, that is when God shows the kingdom of God more than anything. We are never ready. But we can always be faithful. Will you pray with me this morning? Almighty and precious God, we give you thanks for burning bushes. God, we give you thanks for divine dreams. God, we give you thanks for those moments that you have showed up for us and you have asked for us to take a step. And God, you are ready for us to protest. You are ready for us to push back. And God, when we assume that you are, are at the first step of your plan, we find out that our protest is in the middle of the plan of what you have already begun for us. You are already halfway through your vision of what is unfolding in this world before you have even come to us. And everything that we have said that we are not ready for, everything that we have said we are not prepared for, God, you have brushed aside because you have assured us that you are going to be with us. God, you not only hear our protests, but you hear our prayers. And you answer every single one of them. By agreeing to walk with us and to be with us. And so, God, we are never perfectly ready for what you are about to do. But, God, we know that we are never alone in the work that's ahead. As we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.